We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. LL Nation, what's good? Lucky Lefty Podcast. The Nora boys are back in the building. I'm your boy, Sean Davis, SD2 Mike's dead dude, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. We are brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. It is that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. And if you're going to drink, by all means, make sure that you drink responsibly. You got to drink responsibly. Left. Not much to say. It's put up, shut up time. Marcus Freeman, players met with the media this morning. We'll talk about some of their comments. And then we're going to get to Malik's Three Keys, brought to you by Nora Whiskey and Stick to the Script, also brought to you by Nora Whiskey. And then we'll give you our predictions, not only for Notre Dame, but for the CFP. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah, we broke it down pretty good yesterday, the game. If you missed that, go over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CFB Nation, and Conjunctural Irish Breakdown for all of our great content. We broke down Notre Dame's offense against the South Carolina defense and Notre Dame's defense against the South Carolina offense. Plenty of content. You get ready for the Gator Bowl. It's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. You already know we spin it different. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Left, the Gator Bowl is going to be a turning point, and people might not know this, but we're going to dig deep into that. Why it's a turning point, and why, you know, some of the things that happened this season pretty much had to happen because those things were put into motion long before Marcus Freeman ever took the job as head coach at Notre Dame. But of course, this is the day before the game. So let's get to Malik's three keys to victory over South Carolina in the Gator Bowl. 2.30 p.m. tomorrow down in Jacksonville, South Carolina, Notre Dame. Malik, what's your three keys? Three keys, man. I think the first one is to get a turnover early against Spencer Ryler. He's a guy that you know, is a momentum guy. So if he gets to hitting stuff early, it's going to be really tough down the stretch to stop a guy like that, especially how talented he is. So I'll be my first thing. Get a turnover early, shake his confidence. The next thing would be offensively, let's not have any turnovers on our end. I think it's important, especially in this game, because the strategy would be how can we get down the field successfully with a guy who hasn't played in a long time? So it's going to be important to have ball control and not to turn the football over to put you in a tough position for a guy who's still trying to get his feet uh, under him coming back after an injury that took him out for 10-plus games. And the last but not least, the key to victory is going to have to be um, our running backs. I think the running backs have to have a big day, a team that gives up a good amount in the rushing game, but we're going to have to make it count and do beyond expected if we want to come out with a victory to help our quarterback but also help our defense stay off the field. I think if we can keep our defense off the field and limit the amount of times that Spencer has shots at long drives in the game, I think it's going to give us a really big advantage to not only kill some clock with time of possession, but also get to work our offense with some of the younger guys and the receivers that are out there. I really want to see a lot of Tyler Buckner in, in action and not on the sidelines. So our running game's got to come in handy, and no turnovers is going to help increase not only the time of possession and increase our drives, but also help Tyler Buckner get his feet under him and hopefully have a good audition tape. Those are the three keys to victory brought to you by Malik Zaire and Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. It is that premium. American Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Before we get over to stick to the script where you lay out how you going, how you will set up the script of the first 10 to 15 plays to go and attack the South Carolina defense that you have been on record left as saying you expect them to be very aggressive early and come after Tyler Buckner and that Notre Dame offensive line and the offense. So before we get to that, I do want to point out that Marcus Freeman met with the media. He said that Tyler Buckner is ready to roll and has been magnificent 
he used the word magnificent in bold preparation. How does that make you feel, Love? Well, it's good. Anytime you get a, a comment from your head coach like that, uh, it, it gives the fan base some confidence that we can expect uh, some sparks to fly. And like I said, for him to not play, I feel like he's going to have a little rust. But if he's doing magnificent in practice, hopefully he can translate in a game. But that all, um, you know, everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth, like Mike Tyson says. So all that is is great if he's playing great, not getting hit. Getting hit, I would love to see how he responds to it early. And then that'll let me know what it'll be like for the rest of the game. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Notre Dame goes up against a South Carolina defense that struggles mightily against the run. They give up five yards a pop on the ground. Second to last in the SEC against the run. Going up against one of the best running attacks, rushing attacks in the nation. Notre Dame, 7-0 and when they get over 150 yards rushing. 6-1 and when they get over 130. That bodes well in this matchup. You heard from Logan Diggs early in the week when he said, look, put it on our backs. Put it on the running backs. There's no need for Tyler to be put in any position to get hurt or to have to carry the load. So to hear that from Logan Diggs, how does that play into you and stick to, stick to the script? How are you going to script the offense going into this matchup right here? Well, I'm going to see how many ways I can run the football. Uh, whether it be inside or outside. I would start inside with a couple runs, try to get outside, try to hit some screens early, see what works in the running game, and then I would definitely start taking shots with Lorenzo Styles. I wouldn't have too many receivers run out there and pass routes, so it would probably be a max protection just so we know we can get the pass off and have Lorenzo or Braden Lindsay or Jaden Thomas and mix in our tight ends here and there to get some play action down the field. I don't want I don't want to really waste too much time nickel and diamond uh, uh this team to death i really want to try to get uh the minimal amount of plays in a drive as possible just to get the confidence of tyler buckner also uh to to blow up our explosive plays i think it's going to take explosive plays to open the game up but if we're you try to play smash mouth football 10 play drives <clears throat> it's definitely going to make it hard considering this is a team that's very physical but also lost some pieces so I think for us, um, we're going to be in a good position, but it's just going to require the offense to have time of possession in a sense, but also uh, be able to create explosive plays so we can get the confidence of Tyler early and then get our run game going. Yeah, time of possession. Anytime Notre Dame possesses the ball for 30 minutes or more, they are undefeated this season. So time of possession will be key in this game. It will go a long way to helping Spencer Rattler stay on the sideline and watch Notre Dame put points on the board and make him press even more when he gets the ball. He usually presses anyway. But when you can put that pressure on him, put points on the board, take time off the clock, and make him feel like every possession has to be a touchdown and every play has to be a big play, now you open the door for the defense to go and take advantage of what Spencer Rattler does most, and that's put the ball in harm's way each and every yeah. game. That's right. And you definitely don't want him to – Put the ball in harm's way early, throwing, you know, five-yard out routes that are getting read and picked off. I think you have to be a threat early on for him so he can he can feel back to normal and that 
he doesn't have to be so perfect so early. And I think Tommy's going to be able to have a good connection with him. And hopefully he's not running the ball more than our running backs. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Also, news from Marcus Freeman. Jason Adamiola just could not get healthy enough to play. He will not play in tomorrow's game. Brandon Joseph will be a late game time decision. High ankle sprain. So, you know, they play without those two guys uh, down the stretch. So it won't be anything new. We've heard about the youngsters on the back end, Ramon Henderson, Chance Tucker. They'll be getting some tick along with Jaden Mickey and then Jalen Smead and some of the other young guys that have been mentioned. Um, even Aiden Keanu, uh, big 315-pound guy. He's back from his torn ACL in the spring. He'll get some run tomorrow along with Gabriel Rubio. He's our biggest guy on the line. He's like 10 pounds heavier than Chris Smith. So we'll see what the young youth movement is going to look like on tomorrow. But as far as Tyler Buckner, Tobias Merriweather, and everyone else, Marcus Freeman said they are ready to go. Marcus Freeman was also asked about, you know, the media. I have to give it to him. They found a smooth way to try to ask him about, you know, the transfer rumors and what's been going on. And a lot has been talked about with Notre Dame uh, possibly, you know, tampering when it comes to Sam Hartman. Marcus Freeman, you know, kind of put that to bed. And, you know, the, the things that I've heard is that there was more contact from the other side to Notre Dame than vice versa. Uh, Notre Dame wasn't even aware that he was going to be in the portal. And I said Notre Dame, you know, swung big. Um, the staff has spent some time in North Carolina, and I'll tell you, they didn't go to North Carolina to talk to Sam Hartman. Uh, I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. And I think all this tampering stuff, it's like, dude, relax. I, you know, I saw Notre Dame fans on Twitter Social media talking about they'll be disappointed in Marcus Freeman if this tampering stuff is proven. It's like, relax. Like, what are you talking about? Like, relax. And Marcus Freeman put it to bed this morning when he was asked about it. He was like, look, man, I, I haven't made a decision on anybody. And he said, I haven't spoken to anybody. And he said, I need to see and look somebody in the face and look in their eyes before I accept them as a transfer. He said, I don't care if it's face-to-face -face or via Zoom. So he's letting you know he hasn't spoken to anyone. He hasn't spoken to any said player. I don't care what the rumors say. And until he speaks to that player, he looks them in the eye and asks them some tough questions, which is exactly what he said. He said nothing will be happening. But this is the second time this has happened where quarterbacks are being talked to and and damn near committed, and the moves already been made behind the scenes, not only in with the recruiting and CJ Carr, but this is the second time with Sam Hartman. How does all this information get leaked? How does all this stuff happen? And Marcus Freeman was like, I haven't made a decision on anything. Eric Hansen reported Sam Hartman was committing. Facts. So how how is it that it's being leaked that Sam Hartman's on his way over here, still in his season, 
still got to play a whole game and finish out in his season at Wake Forest. We're reporting that he's about to commit. And then a week later, two weeks later, Marcus Freeman is saying, I ain't talked to nobody. So I don't know how this is getting miscommunicated once again. But once again, there's the common denominator of who keeps working as a head coach or a head coach B on these quarterback decisions. And it is concerning because, you know, it seems as Marcus Freeman don't have that situation under wraps, but, you know, it has to get fixed because this is embarrassing for a guy that, you know, has had his hand on being the lead recruiter and saying he's the lead recruiter on the team. And now you have all these quarterback decisions being made and he hasn't talked to anybody. So I think that he's probably bothered by that, but I will be too. Well, I don't really think, you know what, I'll push back a little bit because I don't think he was trying to say that he hasn't been told anything. I think he really did leave the legwork up to Tommy Reese. And I think ultimately what he's trying to say is the final decision is mine. I think that's what he was letting everybody know. Like, I don't care what's been put out there, what rumors, until I talk to somebody and until I ask them tough questions, don't believe what you're hearing. I'm the final okay in this program. I think he was putting his foot down, letting everybody know, like, yo, if I haven't said anything, don't believe it. Mm-hmm. And he was letting everybody know that there's work to be done as far as communicating with whomever might be a candidate or option. Once this bowl game is done, then we'll start to figure out because now I'll be part of it, right? I really wasn't part of it because I was making sure we retained the 23 class. Tommy was off taking care of that. Mm. Now that this game is done, once it's done, I make the decision. This is going to be my choice, not anyone else's. And I think he was kind of, you know, asserting himself as the head coach. Going back to what you said, left, you know, there were some questionable things that have happened up to now to where you're saying, like, yo, what's going on, especially offensively? But Marcus Freeman, I think, let it be known to the uh, media earlier today that he was the head coach in Notre Dame, and everything flows through him. Well, I'm glad you put it that way because I definitely don't like the pattern of one thing being said and then you got to kind of backtrack to cover your tracks almost as if it went over your head in a sense. So, I mean, if that's the case, how you make it seem, then yeah, of course, that I would appreciate, you know, Marcus Freeman just letting everybody know, like, common common the C's that he got this, you know, and I think you're still making the right decision, not that Sam Hartman is not the right choice. I think he is the right choice for our situation, but it's just the way things are done and and Marcus Freeman being in the charge of that, you know, it means a lot. And I think he's still in the right uh, – they're still in the right fit for having the team in the right place. You know how it is, Left. You know how it is. They're mad. They're mad. <laughs> they're mad. You know, the leaks came from the Wake Forest side. They're mad, you know with the information and how everything got out. And, you know, I I can tell you that Notre Dame people knew what was bubbling. And the fact that Eric Hansen said what he said when he said it, you know, 
I, you know, I'm sure his editor pretty much was like, man, look, this is coming down the pike. Like somebody's going to have to put it out and it might as well be us, you know, that I'm sure he, you know, triple sourced great story, broke the news. And then, you know, once Woj dropped it this week, Pete Thamel, this dude has come out of nowhere to be the Woj of college football. It's like, then everything went haywire, but yeah, it's been it's been bubbling for a while, right? And this is, you know, <laughs> the fact that Wake Forest people are upset, like you're Wake Forest football, dude. Yeah. That, that, you, 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 know. you gave him as much exposure as you could. Yeah. Now, no. And if he wants more, then fine. Yeah. Why would you not let him get more? Because you know, y'all. Yeah, now, you know, shout out to my guy. Look, because you know, we were, uh, someone accused us of being racist early in the week, you know, when it came to the, when it came to the quarterback position. But, you know, one of our favorite quarterbacks we got to watch play last night. Drake the holiday May. Bowl. And last I checked, Drake May does not look like us from a uh, complexion standpoint. He's still one of our favorite quarterbacks. So, yeah, Drake May was dropping dimes all over the place. And he, he had a questionable wide receiver core last night. Very mm-hmm. questionable. I mean, he dropped two go balls that they both dropped. Dude. They could 14 points. Man. Beautiful throws. That's dropping dimes all over the place. And look, if Drake May had made a decision to leave North Carolina. Oh, then maybe, then, then maybe you say, oh, okay, like, I mean, you no, know, the North Carolina brand, the Notre Dame brand, it's like, uh, you know, they got MJ that can cut a check. I mean, he's on the the jerseys. Uh, okay. Yeah, we got to find some money for Drake, man. Right. That's how you would feel. Like, okay, we're going to have to, yeah, that would have to be something to really get him to leave especially with his, his brothers and his father being football players in North Carolina. He's legacy. It means something to him. It means something to him. Man, it's Wake Forest, man. Like, what are we talking about? You think Wake Forest? You think Tim Duncan and Chris Paul? Yeah. That's it. You're not thinking football program. Randolph Childress, Rodney Rogers. Like, I can name a bunch of basketball players from Wake Forest. Yeah. Maybe even some baseball players. Yeah, it's a baseball. I mean, it's a basketball school. That's it. So for the other side to be upset. Don't do that. It's like, come on, man. You can lose. This is bigger than y'all. Like, look, Sam Hartman made the decision to leave. Yeah, and he he, he used you guys for the right reasons. Y'all got him an education. He always gonna have that Wake Forest badge on him and everything. But just when it comes to football. Yeah, he'll just be remembered. Yeah, as a Notre Dame guy, absolutely, and that's okay. But he's got your degree. Yeah, be proud of that. But this right here has nothing to do with y'all. This is like, it's like he's going to the big kid table. He's at Look, the big kid table, you know. He outgrew that, and now he's at the big people table. He get he get the the big piece of chicken. Yeah, you know he he's tired of the chicken fingers, but don't. Don't be mad because he want to step up a little bit. You know what I'm saying? He, he, he see an opportunity. You know what I'm saying? 
So, you know. You know. So they're upset. Because if it wasn't for y'all grooming him and growing and evolving that guy, we would have never even talked to him. So thank you, God. (laughs) So you're mad, man. That's cool. See, I see all this type of stuff in Chicago all the time, love. Right? (laughs) You know, you have a kid going to a school that's like Blue South basketball division he's really good but nobody's really paying attention to him and then all of a sudden he plays in the open gym you know in between his freshman and sophomore year and a coach from Simeon or Whitney Young just has happens to peep him and it's like yo where you live at oh I live here man you got any family in this neighborhood Mm. uh yeah I think so Okay, cool. We're going to use that address. You're going to be a Whitney Young Dolphin or you're going to be a Simeon Wolverine next year. That's right. That's, that's how we do it. That's right. Like, because this school can't do anything for you. Can't do, they can't do nothing for they you. They can't do anything for you. They can't get you to the next level the way yeah, we can. Like, like, and he's probably so very thankful for that. <laughs> Man, come on. Like, what are we really talking about? Wake Forest? Yeah, like who? Notre Dame. This is not no. He even knew. It's just like how uh, uh, Kenny Kenny uh, was getting trying to get post from Pitt. Let it happen. Don't be upset. It's Pitt. Yeah, yeah. Lucky left the podcast. As always, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Our down our content is available along with John Garcia Jr. in State of Recruiting, CFB Nation in conjunction with Irish Breakdown. It's a Lucky Lefty podcast. You already know we spin it different. Is that Starbucks left? Oh, yeah. So you're a macchiato dude? I See, I've never had coffee in my life. Really? I've never had coffee in my life, but I know my wife's order by heart. Like, So I always have her order ready. She works overnight. She mm. comes home, and when she wakes up, her coffee is like on right next to her on the side of the bed waiting for her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. dude. I already know, man. That caramel macchiato, double pump of hazelnut with soy milk, a little bit of peppermint. Oh, for real? Oh, it's yeah. for real. Yeah, she she has it down to a science, dude. And if anything is off, because somehow, some way, every time they put regular milk in there instead of the soy milk, and she can immediately taste it. And I think that, you know, that dairy really messes with us. You know, it always messes with us the older we get. Like, Yeah, that's true. It is what it is. But speaking of messing up everything, um, this season, as we get ready to close and give our predictions left, has been a season that has, you know, taken the Notre Dame fan base on a roller coaster. Mm. And I've come to realize that the Gator Bowl will be a turning point for Marcus Freeman and for Notre Dame in a lot of different ways. I want to go back to when Brian Kelly left. Brian Kelly laid out a bunch of excuses of why it was his time to move on from Notre Dame. Mm. Excuses. But if you really look back, we come to understand that Brian Kelly, when he got to Notre Dame, Notre Dame was in the doldrums. And very quickly, he got Notre Dame to a national championship game. 
very quickly. You have to tip your cap to the job that he did. Yeah, but looking at the program, peak Notre Dame really was 2015 to 2018. Yeah. Now, during, it's tough to have your peak and in the middle of your peak have a losing season in 2016. Like, that's, that's incredible. And you've chronicled the lack of leadership, you know, on that team. It wasn't talent. It was the lack of leadership on that team and the fact that that team was very young. Yeah. It was a very it was a very delicate balance that you had to maintain with the team being young and and what you had on the team at that time from a uh, a leadership perspective that could have helped transition those guys in the right way instead of put those guys in a tough position where they had to learn on the fly and didn't have all the direct leadership in the right positions to really guide them through those tough uh, those tough situations that they were in. I mean, we were we lost seven seven games on a last minute drive. So that's that's leadership. That's the you know, who is on the team that that they look towards from a player perspective that they can rally behind to finish and close out games, and you know not doing it right not having a natural order leadership on the team done the right way it affected the team and everybody's looking around like what what's going on nobody can find out an answer but there's a lot of intangible things that happen on the team that's not always uh that's not always something you can just point to directly it's more of a feel and that's what great coaches have they have a great feel for the chemistry of their team and mm-hmm. they sometimes needs to be done in order to keep that team together. So um, when you don't, you 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 feel like everything's falling apart. And it is an anomaly year to go four and eight out of the great success uh, before and after that year. So it just shows that you can have years like that if you've got to keep the natural order of leadership on the team in the right way. Yeah. Jay Carr, I'm pulling this comment up because it's his perfect. He says 17 to 21 was the peak. All 10 wins and two playoff berths. Neither one of those playoff berths had a real chance to win a national championship. No. That's that's, that's the pushback. No one really believed in either one of those teams going to win a national championship. Heck, Notre Dame had just gotten spanked by Clemson in the ACC championship game when Trevor Lawrence got back. Like Nobody really thought that they were about to walk in and beat Alabama. No. However, if you, most people – still to this day feel that if you don't get hurt, if we don't lose our starting running back in the first game against Texas, that that Notre Dame team walks into Clemson, spanks Clemson, and then meets Alabama in the national championship game. It it changes college football history. Dude, you talk to people nationally. You talk to people around the Notre Dame football program. You talk to former players. They all echo the same thing. The 2015 team was the most talented team that Brian Kelly ever had at Notre Dame. It just was ravaged by injury. That was oh, it. Oh, man. I'm talking about everybody. <laughs> ravaged by injury. Yeah. Ending with our guy getting hurt. And that was the team that was going to do it. That's the team that we actually felt like, okay, we we can we can play with the, the top, top, top dogs. Yeah. 
have a chance. We was definitely no different than how Clemson was. And that game was very significant when we played them because it was the fate and direction of how two teams went that season. And we still could have possibly gotten in beating Christian McCaffrey and Stanford. But that was a that was a crazy ending. But think about this, dude. That that team was so talented. Injuries derailed the 2014 season. Injuries and referees. The referees, oh, the referees took the Florida State game. Oh man! And then injuries hurt Notre Dame in the second half. Right? You beat LSU in the Music City Bowl. You come out. That that's what a talent was at a peak from a recruiting standpoint. You had difference makers on the outside. You had depth in the depth in the quarterback room. You had big guys up front, right? You had meet up the middle of defensive tackle. You had pass rushers. Secondary was good. It's like, yo, that's when, you know, and that run and that success led to the 2017 class mm-hmm. that ended up going with Dante Vaughn. And the yeah. rest of the crew that ended up going to two CFPs. So that started, you know, the two college football playoff berths were kind of like a slow decline from that 15 squad. And then when you get to the recruiting classes in 19, 20, and 21, what you start to see is you start to see some top end talent in the recruiting class, but then guys down at the bottom that really shouldn't have played at Notre Dame. And then the staff was terrible at developing and retaining the classes. So you saw plenty of defections via the transfer portal. And now you go into a situation where Brian Kelly in his final season has to go and get Jack Cohn as a transfer quarterback, right? He has two quarterbacks that have no experience in Drew Pine and Tyler Buckner behind him. Right. Kevin Austin comes back from injury. If he does come back from injury, the wide receiver core is questionable because you've lost four or five wide receivers from your previous two classes to the transfer portal. Why? Because the court wide receiver coach was horrible. Yeah. And you allowed that. The offensive line takes a step back. Why? Because the offensive line coach can recruit, but he can't coach. You accepted that. So the, the decline of the program is doing this, even though you're winning 10 games. And that's why I put what CJ said, Jay Carr said up. It was like, man, that 10 and 2 record was masking a whole lot of stuff. A whole lot of stuff. And as a defensive coordinator, it was things that Marcus Freeman did not know until he really was able to see what this team was in games during the regular season. He thought he had a really good team after that Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. Honestly, he thought he had a national championship team after that Fiesta Bowl. Not understanding, yo, you had two quarterbacks that have no experience, my dude. None. None. No, you have a freshman quarterback that's Never threw for over 3,000 yards in college, in high school. Mm. Harry Heastan is going to improve this offensive line. 
but they're going to be injured going into the most important game, game one against Ohio State. These linebackers that you inherited, right, they're smart. They know everything. When push comes to shove and they have to make the plays, they fall short a little bit. Yeah. You love them. They're good kids. They're not next level. That's why when you got here as a defensive coordinator, you immediately went out and elevated the talent in the linebacker room. Immediately. Immediately, because you could see what was going on. So now you're putting in a position where you sacrifice, either you sacrifice the season and you sacrifice the future. Or do you go and coach the team you have that was left to you? That honestly, the roster wasn't as good as you might have thought. It wasn't. And that's what bear or came to fruition this season, Notre Dame fans. You know, we just thought no matter what, we could just walk out on the field and go 10 and 2. Really go back and look at the 21 season, <laughs> the Virginia Tech game, the Toledo game. Oh, dude, Jack Cone saved us from a lot of losses. A lot of losses. 21. A lot. That's why I say we should be thankful. As much as we helped him, he helped Notre Dame as well. That's right. Because the roster was having the same issues. So here is why the Gator Bowl is the turning point. After this Gator Bowl, the vast majority of the residue from Brian Kelly is gone. Can't use Brian Kelly no more. No. Brian Kelly can't be an excuse anymore. Marcus Freeman told you today, flat out, this quarterback decision is on me. I'm looking the person in the eye. I'm asking the tough questions. That's on me. He took control today, left. Yeah. He took control. He said it's on me. No more pointing back to what was. No more talking about I have to build up the middle of the roster because the middle of the roster isn't good. We heard all of that during the season. What they realized, changes that needed to be made. The Gator Bowl, in a sense, is the last dance for what was. That's it. So win, lose, or draw in this Gator Bowl, things are going to change. There's going to be a turning point. Yeah. We don't like, we won't like it if they lose. No. We would love it if they win. But either way, Notre Dame isn't going to be the same no. moving forward. And I don't know what the records are going to be for the next three years. I can't predict that. If I could, I'd be a rich man. And you'd probably be on the staff. Absolutely. But what I do know is that Brian Kelly, after the Gator Bowl, should be released by everyone connected to Notre Dame. You should be able to finally let him go. Let it go. It's over. Let him go. 
it would it will officially be Marcus Freeman's program. Officially, house will be cleaned out. No more excuses, man. And we saw it. We heard about veteran players talking about how things used to be done, what they were used to doing, fighting against change, locker room being split. Michael Mayer talked about it post-game against BYU. Youngsters trying to figure out who do I follow. Do you understand the difficulty in that? When you got the veterans pushing back against the coaching staff and the youngsters are sitting there like, yo, Who do we follow? And that's why I said the most important picture taken this season was Marcus Freeman on the sideline as the clock was winding down against Marshall and he was about to go 0-2. And he was surrounded by his young linebackers. I said that's the picture that signals what Notre Dame was about to be all about. They have to have his back. They have to. They have to be the ones to prove that his vision is the right vision for Notre Dame. The Gator Bowl is a turning point, my friends. The Gator Bowl is. It's the it's is what Marcus Freeman talked about two years ago where he said we're closing it, or a year ago where he said we're closing the book on this chapter. Finally, we get to close it. I think we closed it a little bit mentally last year, but we finally get the clear house this year and no more excuses. You know, I think the only thing left from the BK era is Tommy after, after this year. And mm -hmm. so I think with this, now we can really evaluate where this program is going to go under Marcus Freeman fairly. I think he's had enough uh, time to be able to get his guys into where, we can see if they're developing this team. A lot of what he was dealing with was half in, half out, and getting guys comfortable and back into the swing of things and building your program. And when you're building something, it's not complete. I think we're putting the the the, the star on top of the tree and we're ready to turn the lights on and see what we got as a final product. And I think this is something that uh, this is good for us. You know, this is good for us. And I think going into this new era with a win, especially being able to win with what we're doing, I think it's going to just pull it all together and us have that true push to get to the championship level. Yeah. So I'm happy that Marcus Freeman answered that question today the way he did. Yeah. But he knows this is the turning point. This is the turning point. Jason Adam Miola, he's not playing. Mm -mm. These young guys, either I recruited them as a DC or I recruited them as a head coach. And next year, this team is going to be a veteran team. O-line, veteran. Quarterback, veteran. Via the portal, running backs, veteran, wide receivers, veteran. The only thing that's going to be young 
all the linebackers getting an opportunity. That's it. And, and they're the good. defensive line. That's it. And they're good. So they're gonna, they're gonna they're gonna mix it up for sure. The safeties have been getting run. Your young safeties have been getting run. Your young cornerbacks have been getting run. So look, no excuses next year, man. As we said, I don't care what quarterback they bring in in a transfer portal. My man, they bring it here to win. They're bringing you here to win two games. That's it. Two games. That's it. Now, these two games ain't easy. No. But all them numbers you put up at Wake Forest, we need to see it translate. Because you see us, we can make you better. But can you make us two games better? That's the that's the trade-off. That's the trade-off. Can you make us two games better? Because we're going to get you 10 wins. The most you probably ever had in your career. But can you bring them expertise, that leadership, that mental toughness, that raw, aggressive, masculine energy to the offense that we need? We need a little edge. Can you do that for us? Because that's what we need to get to the next level, our damn self, and especially at that position. Lucky Lucky Podcast. CFB Nation, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, State of Recruiting, Lucky Lucky Podcast, all the great content. No one covers college football like we do. The Nora Boys, you already know, we spin it different. Left, how do you see the game playing out? What's your prediction, bro? I got us winning 28-24. Hmm. Um, I think it's going to be rocky in the beginning, but second half run game is going to wear them down and we're going to get them out of here. Left, I'm going to be honest, I'm going back and forth, man. Mm. I've picked Notre Dame to lose this game because I really don't think it matters. Like I said, it's a turning point. I really think this game doesn't even matter. There's certain things you're going to be looking for. Heck, if I see that Tyler Buckner indeed plays magnificently, as Marcus Freeman said, and they still lose, I don't need to see anything else. That right there is worth the L. Mm. If he plays magnificent and they happen to lose 35 to 34 because they missed missed the extra point or something, I'm okay. And we played a bunch of youngsters on defense. All right. All right. It's context for me. What are we seeing? I need to see this offensive line dominate. I need to see these wide receivers show me production. I need to see Tyler Buckner play well. I'm looking for things. Without looking at the scoreboard, I'm just looking for certain things to make me feel good about development moving into next year. Okay, so you're looking for flashes of guys that you'll expect a lot from the next year. Yeah, I'm looking for context, bro. Looking Mm -hmm. for context. Okay, you're a bigger you know, picture type of guy. If they win 13 to 10, it's a defensive struggle, and Tyler Buckner doesn't look good, and the wide receivers aren't catching the ball, I don't do. That does nothing for me. But we won. Man, I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling good. I, I wouldn't feel good about Tommy Reese. I wouldn't feel good about Tyler Buckner, and I wouldn't feel good about the wide receivers. I'm just being honest. Now, I probably would feel really good about the defense. 
But, hey, the defense has done pretty well against every top-notch quarterback they played against this year, except for Caleb Williams getting them on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I already know Morrison can ball up. I know yeah. the, I know Jaden Mick. I mean, Tariq Bracey can ball up. I already mm-hmm. know that. Xavier Watts has been coming the entire second half. I, I expect that. What do you think about our D-line going in this game? Oh, if the D-line comes in and get uh, contacts. With no Fosky. With missing the top two running backs, there's no way they should get over 100 yards rushing. No mm-hmm. way. They don't even have the top two running backs. That's true. What are we talking about? But, you know, we do give up all the yards to the backup backup. That's the trend. That's the trend left, and that's the tricky part. That's the trend. That's the tricky part. But, look, it's, it's context for me, man. Yes, I want Notre Dame to win. Heck yeah. But how are you going to win? That, that holds more weight with me. What am I seeing? What is this win comprised of? Notre Dame 27, South Carolina 24. Mm. Wow. Wow. So he did all that just to get us to, to justify that loss that we about to get, huh? No, man, I just think it's going to be a close game, man. And I hope I'm wrong, right? I hope Spencer Rattler puts the ball on the ground. I hope we get strip sacks, strip fumbles, return for touchdowns, all of that. And it ends up being a big win for Notre Dame. I just want context. I want hope. This is the turning point. This is the turning point. And I need to see the youth movement show me something in this game. I need to see it. Flat out need to see it. That's all I'm saying, Left. Lucky Lefty Podcast. Left. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We'll see everybody post-game tomorrow. Should be pretty good. Do you think we should do a game watch? Say it again. Do you think we should do a game watch how the Manning brothers do Monday night football? I mean, if you want to do it, I'm fine with it. Well, we got it set up for it. I'm I'm fine with it. We can talk during the game, all of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what time it is, left. 
It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction, Petty Story of the Day, brought to you by Anora Whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey, AnoraWhiskey.com. Yo, D'Angelo Russell, Petty Train, man, stop whining. <laughs> stop whining. He, he out there playing football, and we can't touch him, and we can't guard him. I mean, good for him. Man, shut up. Zion scores 14 straight down the stretch. Gets the victory, one-point victory, 119-118 for the Pelicans over the Timberwolves. Pelicans at top at the top of the Western Conference in the NBA. 43 points for the young man. That's right. He's just different, man. Just tip, your, yo, just tip your cap to the dude and say, man, good game. Man, we can't do nothing. We, he, he played football. We ran through my guy. Man, shut up. It's like Shaq, but more athletic and smaller. Anytime you get a hooper from Ohio State, you already know they're questionable. Yeah, I agree with that, actually. <laughs> Except my guys, shout out Daquan Cook, three-point champion. You know, real one. Miami Heat, Dayton, Ohio. Ohio State, great. That's about, that's about it, though. I'll give you that one. <laughs> That's his claim to fame, man. Since he's from Dayton, I'll give you that one. Wait a minute, wait a minute. One more. Norris Cole, NBA champion, two-time, was the reason LeBron won his championships in Miami. I'm glad you you said it. Shout out out Cleveland State. You know, last Cleveland State, great. Oh, here we go. Here about on this whole Ohio thing today. Norris Cole couldn't uh, couldn't, – been there without the greatness of Dayton. Just letting you know. Yo, so, yo, this is crazy, man. You you heard this story? This is from CNN. Um, and I missed this, but someone forwarded this to me. This is from early in the year. I'm bringing it back. This is super petty. Geico ordered to pay Missouri woman $5.2 million after she contracted STD in the car. How do you do that? Oh, oh, oh. She's saying that the car was wishing. Dude. Wait, she was she was in the car with somebody else and she's blaming the, the car for it. She sued Geico because they covered the vehicle that they had intimacy in that caused her to contract an STD. Now, Geico mishandled it because they basically just said, man, we're not honoring that crap. Right, they're not honoring it, right. And she continued to go through with the process, and it ended up in the federal appeals court, and a federal court upheld (laughs) a lawsuit. So she won. Because Geico didn't go through the proper channels of dealing with it in the state courts. 
They oh, just kinda, so she won on the technicality. Okay. It don't matter if it's technicality. She won. Yeah, she no, she yeah, she. I mean, not on the basis of it being true or not. She won because she just is consistent. No, <laughs> so just the, she win. Just the fact she ended up. I think she ended up settling for over a million. Oh man, just because she filed some paperwork and the other people was like, "This is ridiculous." Man, you know, bro. I mean, you can just do anything you want and sue anybody you want if they. That's crazy. I mean, you know, I guess she took one for the team. No pun intended. I mean, I wonder how you get the idea. Okay, let's go after Geico. I'm trying to figure out how she got mad, though. Like, why are you, wait a minute, why are you mad at the car? That's what I'm saying. And, like, not, the, and not the dude. The car. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I dude, I, I had to bring that back. My guy sent that to me. He was like, man, you should talk about this. Man, she initially sued for 5.2. How, how do you find man, the look. attorney to be like, yeah, we should try that? <laughs> you know, you go into a lawyer's office and you're like, yeah, I want to charge a 5.2 million lawsuit to guy. Right. I mean, they're like, not, yeah, we, we could do that. It's not an abnormal situation. Car accident happens all the time. Is that what it was? They said it was a car accident? No, I said car action happens all the time. Well, it sounds like we need to start suing. If stuff goes <laughs> wrong. Yeah, it sounds like <laughs> goes wrong. It seems like we should be suing them. I'm saying it's a lot of people that missed out on opportunities, dude. <laughs> car action, backseat action. Happens all the time. Yeah. Okay. It seems like <laughs> a new strategy to get some money. The new PPP loan. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. Hey, man. LL Nation, man. We thank you guys so much for tuning in with us, man. As always, uh, tomorrow, we might go live. Like, let me think about it, set it up correctly, and then we'll let you guys know later today on Twitter, whether or not we'll be live during the game. And then um, I think we're going to have a show on Saturday as well. So, yeah, tune in to that. But enjoy the rest of your Thursday. <sighs> but most of all, you got to make sure that you spin it different. <laughs>